WHYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And coming up, got some Phil stuff to dive into here as the offseason moseys along. Kind of a slow offseason so far, both for your Phillies and around Major League Baseball, but some stuff to talk about. Uh, so we'll get into uh, some of the latest news and notes and rumors and all of that. And we're also going to dip in to the hitting season mailbag. And we got some good questions regarding what the outlook for 2024 is and some questions about the hot stove in the offseason as well. So joining me to talk some Phil's baseball here on a Monday is Liz Rocher and Justin Clue. I guess our Liz Rocher and Justin Clue, if I'm going to use English uh, properly. I was I went to went to broadcasting school, so I really should figure out how to do that. Justin Clue, of course, from Baseball Prospectus uh, and also with the uh, Patreon podcast, The Dirty Inning and Absolutely Hammered. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, how was your weekend, Bell? How you feeling? Well, me, Jalen Hurts, and Carter Hart are just a couple of sick Philly guys who, mm. on average, have the body of a professional athlete. <laughs> it's great. It's great that you guys have found a way to bond other yep. than your, you know, the, the normal ways that you normally are able to bond together. It's just one more thing that, that you know, tightens your closeness. Just a couple of three best pals having a real sick time of things. <laughs> Really, and just just in time with with Christmas just a week away, uh, so that's that's good timing. Um, and Liz Rocher, of course, from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Liz, are you also feeling sick? Are you also a a, a person dealing with a severe illness? I'm not dealing with a severe illness. Uh, I'm dealing with uh, stress dreams that make me uh, clench up and curl up when I sleep and clench my jaw, and I wake mm. up with a severe neck and back problem. So that's been fun. The holidays, everybody. So podcast listeners, uh, the Hidden Season team doing great on the Monday before Christmas. <laughs> I just wanted you all to know that uh, we're just, we, we are five by five here uh, on the Hidden Season podcast feed. And a- as a way to just kind of to help us ease into the holiday season, we we figured the best thing that, that we could give to you, the podcast listeners, is a podcast full of Phillies news. And so... We don't have any, but we're going to speculate our, our little butts off here, our sick heads off. And uh, we're going to start off talking about uh, the Zach Wheeler conversation, uh, extension possibilities for him. Scott Lauber wrote a story this week that uh, we wanted to dive into first here. And with Zach Wheeler, we all know that the, the free agent signing a few years ago was one of the best free agent pitcher signings in modern baseball history. I mean, when you consider the length of the contract and the money and what he gave the Phillies, it's it's hard to argue this isn't maybe the best Phillies free agent contract ever if, you, if you're taking all those different things into account. Guy's been a, a consistent ace at the top of the rotation during the regular season and then steps, steps up his game even more and has become a legendary postseason pitcher. And really, everybody knows that Zach Wheeler is going to sign an extension I think like there's no doubt in anybody's mind that the Phillies are going to prioritize this it's hard to imagine a scenario where he doesn't sign a contract extension but uh, one of the things that you think about as a guy who's entering his age 34 season who will be 35 years old in year one of whatever the contract extension will be is the age and the question of what will we will certainly be paying Zach Wheeler more for his past performance than we did when we signed him to a free agent contract five years ago, what they felt like his potential could be, future performance. And so, Justin, I'll start with you on this. How do you feel comfort-wise paying Zach Wheeler what is sure to be a, a, a good-sized money? And when we get to the mailbag, we can talk specific numbers here. But Wheeler's going to get a certain number of years, a certain amount of dollars. It's it's going to be it's going to be pricey. And, and I think we would all pretty much assume that as he ages here, then the performance level will probably start going down. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Cause I'm trying to be a little more open about this. Like the, the Wheeler is obviously deserving of an extension and, and everything that he's done warrants that. And, and uh, you know, there's really no, the gamble is kind of similar if you're saying, well, we looked at the numbers and we think this guy is going to be good, going to be even better, so let's give him this deal, versus, well, we've looked at his history and seen how good he can be and we think he's going to stay that way. The gamble is, you know, barring some some individual context, the gamble seems pretty similar in both cases, but obviously you want to be the team that's paying to get the best of a pitcher's prime rather than the rest of a pitcher's prime and then whatever comes after. Uh, 
So I guess what I'm saying is this is always the most kind of nerve wracking part of a pitcher's career. At least before it was like, oh, we're going to give him money. We think he's going to emerge and, and become this uh, an even bigger frontline starter than he has been. Uh, but in that case, it was like age wise, that made sense. Now it's like he's getting into the part of his career where question marks start happening. And look, we've seen some of the best pitchers in the game come through Philadelphia. And you think you're like, boy, Roy Halladay is going to pitch that way forever because how could he not? And then one day a switch goes off. And the forearm never heals and things just don't feel right. And the guy's just never the same. So I, I feel like it's got to at least be mentioned that, yeah, look, this, this, these kind of concerns exist for a guy at this point in Wheeler's career. That being said, he's been the kind of pitcher he's been. And that kind of pitching is rare. So I guess at the end of the day, this comes down to you got to hold on to the guys who have been good as long as you can. Because Wheeler has certainly reached that level, and he deserves uh, he deserves to to have the rest of his prime occur here in Philadelphia. Hopefully, through the rest of whatever his extension is. But mm-hmm. you know, presumably, and 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 perhaps a little cynically, that likely won't last for the entirety of his extension. So I guess I'm just trying to verbalize that. Yeah, those concerns are always going to exist, and I think the Phillies specifically are going to have those concerns about a lot of guys on this roster based on the kind of deals they've handed out to guys at uh, the, you know the midpoint of their careers. So. Yeah, I, I I hope he gets this deal. I I hope I, I think it's the right move, but it does not come with concerns. You know, it it, it just that that's the kind of point he he's at, at in his career. Yeah, Liz. I mean, I, we saw with we've seen we've seen some uh, guys in their mid thirties and some pitchers like Justin Verlander, Jacob Degrom, um, uh, 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 Max Scherzer get some big money deals. That and really a lot of those deals were were still very very good. Even though, like last year, we the, you really started to see the the bill having to be paid. Degrom's always been kind of injury prone, so it's kind of a, a special case that hasn't been strictly related to age necessarily. But they're they're now starting to fall apart. But even into their mid thirties, they were still highly effective starting pitchers. Certainly worth the money that that they were making. And as you look at Zach Wheeler here, um, I guess how do you feel about giving the giving him an extension, which would start in twenty twenty five? and probably take him for another four or five years, knowing that a bill does come due at some point? Um, I feel decent about it, if only because I think Wheeler is fairly realistic about his own career. That's just, I mean, I have no proof about that other than the things he has said uh, to the media, but that's the sense I get. So I can't imagine, like, I think the Phillies would definitely be uh, iffy on signing him to like a five-year deal or even a four-year deal with an option. Um, so I think maybe if they could take it up to his age 39 season and see where it goes from there, that's probably not bad. Um, I trust him and I, I trust the advances that have been made in, you know, I've said this before, in in health and strength and stamina and all of that. Right. I think because I think we see guys healing super quickly, like Bryce Mm -hmm. Harper, um, you know, and taking like exceptional care of themselves. So, yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, I I think there would be a point where I'm not. Mm -hmm. But right now, I think uh, since it's all theoretical and hasn't happened yet, I think I'm great. Let's right. be let's be careful comparing these superhuman healing abilities of Bryce Harper to anyone else. I don't oh think no, that, I wasn't. I don't I think was, that's applicable in most cases. No, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, he, I think the thing to think about with uh, with this contract extension and and with Zach Wheeler is, and and, and I don't know. I mean, the, obviously, you'd like to see some of the younger guys like Andrew Painter recover and and be able to kind of provide some some cheap help and and Mick able to kind of really put some things together here in in 2024 and and make an impact but you know you could if you're the Phillies you could and I there's no way they're going to sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto it certainly sounds like the Yankees or the Mets or he wants to play in New York it looks like that's where he's going to go I heard Bryce Harper FaceTimed with him so we got a little further detail as to yeah as to what I didn't see that how that went down I think John Morosi tweeted that uh, okay all right so yeah he's pretty convincing guy that's pretty alarming I feel like to turn on your phone and see Bryce Harper's intense stare looking back at you and being like come to Philadelphia come to Philadelphia or or I'll come find you and I I, we know he's got the resources to do it I guess it just the threat is unsaid but it's (laughs) it's it's definitely present it's implied I, I guess the question is would you 
would you rather them make a really aggressive push to sign Yamamoto and not sign Zach Wheeler to a contract extension? Like how much of this is is based on emotion because Zach Wheeler has become such an important part of this two-year run here. But if it meant, you know, getting Yamamoto and not signing Wheeler to a contract extension, I think I think that's something most of us would be would be up for but I, I again i don't think it's a realistic situation it's it's almost certainly not going to happen that way but you know there is that there is that emotional part of of zach wheeler and what he's meant to this team over the last couple of years is there any consideration with with that liz the emotional part of zach wheeler and 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 maybe being more aggressive in in other areas i mean i think there is definitely an emotional you know a relationship with all of us wanting um, Zach Wheeler back but you know and I think if they did get Yamamoto I think this it's a one day at a time thing if they get him let's see what happens next you know mm -hmm. I I've we've all learned not to count anything out when it comes to the Phillies but I would say probably yes it, if they got him that would mean no no Zach Wheeler extension and that would be that would be okay, I think, if we were able to replace him <laughs> with mm -hmm. yeah. someone. Because that's essentially what they'd be doing, is replacing him with someone else. Right. And, I mean, who wouldn't want, honestly, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I like Zach Wheeler a lot, but, you know, Yamamoto yeah. is, is singular. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like it, Justin, and I think that's a deal that that I would make too. And it's also you have to ask yourself how much longer can Wheeler stay at this elite level that he is? How much longer do you think he can stay at this level? Well, he turns thirty four this year, which you know that's not the not to sound like uh, a, like an age criticist, but like you know that's not the oldest age in baseball. That's not like, oh man, this old man's coming out. It's a miracle. He's, he's keeping himself together. Like no, but that is still, there's still more time for Wheeler to be good. Uh, but I, now that we're presenting this hypothetical, I am kind of trapped between, well, you know, people, obviously Yamamoto has the resume he has, uh, but Wheeler's is also important and impactful for the Phillies specifically. I don't know. I'm having a hard time determining just off the top of my head which one would be the more valuable play. I think it would be kind of cruel to to just sort of plan on replacing Wheeler at this point. Like that just seems like after everything he's done, like that's that's. But again, you know, the Phillies have to be logistical about these things, and they've proven with uh, Reese Hoskins, yeah, they want to be seen as a family, but they also got to make tough business decisions. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we, we like to push this aside by being like, they don't really have a good chance of signing Yamamoto, so this is not a, a situation where we're going to ha actually have to uh, address this, like, one or the other. But, right. the, the, but the good thing about signing him now, if, if they were to get Yamamoto, which, again, they will not, but if they were to get him now, you would get one season of him, Nola, and we yeah. were all pitching together. <laughs> and you might be able to see that, like, hey, it's kind of cool to have three of these guys plus the other good pitchers the Phillies have in yeah. their rotation. Uh, and, and viewing what a strength that is, perhaps getting a, a, a glimpse of what that could be like would make them think, okay, well, it was actually really nice having all of these guys. Perhaps that is not a reason to eliminate the idea of extending. Again, this is me coming from the place of the Phillies have unlimited money. I know that there are limits to their spending in their own mind, even if there should or shouldn't be. But I'm just saying if they all got to pitch together for one season and that wound up being like the big strength of the season where they were actually consistently strong in one area for the entire season and we didn't have to go like, well, their vibes are still good, even if they're not hitting the ball or pitching well. But like if we could see that that was a strength and then the next year have to discuss well let's take that apart i don't know that might be a tougher tougher yeah. time to have that conversation and a better time to have that conversation well that's that's why the phillies traded cliff lee after the 2009 season like they didn't want to give fans the taste of the super rotation early because they weren't sure they could keep it together after that it was one of the big reasons for that and you'd put be putting together a new super rotation with the with the 2024 fills, if you were if you were to line all those guys up, so I mean, I, I think you got to go if you have a chance to sign the 25 year old ace of the rotation, a potential ace of a rotation. Um, you've, you've got to do that, and you're right, and then you figure out what to do with Zach Wheeler after the 2024 season, or if you can get a team friendly deal or something like that. You know, they would probably do that, but there there are there are many different things that would need to happen in order for that to to, to be a thing, and that's just not a thing. So it, it really is a matter of I think most of us know the Phillies 
if Yamamoto's not a realistic option and there really doesn't seem to be any other starting pitchers on the trade market you would want to spend prospects to to and and then pay to go get re-signing Zach Wheeler almost becomes uh, a must do this offseason. It really the, probably is their their next big thing, their last big thing that they need to do this offseason. This honestly feels like another moment where people are going to be looking for the uh the the issue free decision to make and the fact is that those just don't exist especially yeah. not in these circumstances you don't know truly how yamamoto is going to translate into major league baseball how his adjustments are going to go how his first year is going to go and you don't know what the next few years of zach wheeler's uh career hold either despite the success of the last couple mm -hmm. of years i mean we the phillies went out and got guys because they were stable before and then, you know, both of those guys and like McCutcheon and David Robertson, like things happened and they weren't as stable anymore after coming to Philadelphia because this this stuff is just unpredictable. So I think people are just going to be pushing themselves to find the, the most risk averse answer. And I just don't think that answer exists. Yeah. And let's not be risk averse when you're got a, when you've got a World Series window that that's propped open for, for yeah. a couple of years here, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this window isn't going to last forever. So. You know, let's you got to roll the dice and take some chances uh, along the way here. Um, so I want to get into the mailbag here because uh, one of the next segments we had to talk about some of the some of the questions that are that are asked of us have to do with uh, the offseason moves and some of the some of the things that the Phillies are not doing kind of waiting around for for things to kind of shake out. We've talked about it on the podcast that at the winter meetings, Dave Dombrowski was taking kind of a laissez faire attitude towards it. Just seeing what was happening, uh, having some drinks, having some having some hors d'oeuvres, and, and was content to just kind of let his roster, like a fine wine, breathe a little bit here. And so, um, I, but I do want to get into some of these different um, questions here in the mailbag. Uh, before we get into some of that stuff, Isco underscore five uh, tweeted at us and asked, what would a realistic Wheeler extension look like? So let's, let's talk about the numbers of a potential Zach Wheeler contract extension. Um... Again, the extension would start age 35, and I thought one of the instructive numbers, because I don't think he, Zach Wheeler, is going to get Max Scherzer or or Justin Verlander-type money, um, but one of the guys that he mentioned, that Matt Gelb mentioned in an athletic article, is the contract that the Rangers gave to Jacob deGrom, which was five years, $185 million. And Liz, just a second ago, I know that you had, it seemed, you seemed to be indicating that you would not be comfortable with a five-year contract for for Zach Wheeler because that would take him into his age 39 season. That would also pay him $37 million a season uh, over the next five years. But the going rate for an ace starting pitcher, even one who's going to be entering his age 35 season, that's kind of, if you're looking at Jacob deGrom and, and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and you think Zach Wheeler is a true ace and a, a playoff ace, a game one starter, that seems to be the going rate. If if that was the number, how would you feel about that, Liz? I mean, if that was the salary number, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I'm yeah. not paying that. Um, it if that's the rate. I mean, that's the going rate for pitchers of his skill, of his talent, and his you know performance level. So that that is what it is. I think a four year deal at that much would be fine. Uh, I mean, again, I I will always be. Weirdly, I'm always more skeptical of older pitchers than I am of older hitters, which does not make a lot of sense. So obviously I need to fix that. But I, I just get nervous when a, a pitcher gets my age. <laughs> when you're my, I mean, I literally said at the beginning of this podcast, I wake up from dreams and I'm physically, I'm, I'm physically less well than I was when I went to sleep. So... Hopefully he doesn't have those problems, but I just get nervous um, with pitchers because arms are really not supposed to do that. But if that's what it takes to sign him, then that's what it takes. Like the bill will be due later, God willing. The bill will be due sometime, but it will be a little while later. Hopefully after they have a they've won a uh, World Series yeah. ring. Well, and and Justin. <laughs> Well, yeah, a World Series thing. One of those. No, I said no. I said ring. I didn't say thing. Oh, I thought you said thing. I, no. I thought you said thing too. A World Series thing. I did I said, not no, say thing, but if it came out that way, I can't help it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, you got funny. it right. It's called a World Series. You, you got it. Yeah, uh, no, yeah whatever. But, yeah, piece of metal. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you like Rob Manfred? Huh? It's just a hunk of metal anyway. So what do you know? Um, I, I think we all are a little burned, Justin, by what we saw with Cliff Lee and and Roy Halladay at the end of the. 
2011, 2012, 2013 run. And they're different players. They're different people. They're different pitchers. You know, they're all going to, they're all going to age differently. I'm sort of drawing a little comfort on the fact that Scherzer, DeGrom and Verlander have been really effective into their thirties. Now health of course is, is an issue and you can't be productive if you're not on the mound, but, um, Zach Wheeler has been very durable during the course of his career. Um, he's, his stuff still certainly hasn't lost a step or anything like that. So, um, but I think does does that does the Roy Hall? I guess really it's Roy Halliday, right? That's the one that really still kind of burns us. And does do you think that is factoring into our mindset at all about about signing Zach Wheeler to an extension here, and especially on a, a five year deal that's going to pay him thirty seven million dollars a year? Well, since I just name-checked Roy Halladay directly a couple minutes ago, yes, I would say that's factoring into our uh, our reactions to this. And really, I'm speaking to no one more loudly than myself when I say, you know, that's 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 how the game's played. You know, end of the day, we're really fortunate to be in a position where Zach Wheeler has been so good for the Phillies that we're talking about extending him and not being like, well, I wish they would have traded him or, uh, or, or or should trade him now because he's not living up to his value. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time complaining about Aaron Nola, but at the end of the day, rooted for him to get the extension he got. So Zach Wheeler, I feel like, deserves, who has had a much more consistent and number one presence in the Phillies rotation than Aaron Nola the past few years, though Aaron Nola's ceiling might be higher. He just doesn't hang out up there as much as Zach Wheeler does. So... I feel like all you can do is react to what's in front of you and what's in front of us are some great numbers and incredible performances from Zach Wheeler over the years. So, you know, despite any kind of risk involved, despite where he's at in his career, it does it does just make sense for the Phillies to to give him an extension and just kind of roll with uh, hey, we'll start with what he wants. You know, I'm sure if what we're projecting is five years, one hundred eighty five million. His party might come back with a little more than that, but he also does want to be here. That's the other X factor. Like he does, he's not pushing for a trade. He's not looking to go to a contender. He's in a pretty good spot here in Philadelphia. Like that number one job is his and, and he carved that out for himself. And now the Phillies are perpetual contenders. We can call them that after two years. Yes. 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 Uh, Two straight NLCS appearances. I mean, you know, this is a place where guys want to go and he's already here. So he doesn't want to, I think, fight them too hard to stay here, especially at this point in his career. We'll see how, how it goes. Like if they don't work something out before he's racking up starts in 2024, then, you know, he might have an opportunity to prove that he deserves even more than what we're projecting. But at the, at the time, five years, 185, you know, that's a higher. It's a higher number than the 172 we saw with Nola. Obviously, less years, but yeah, it, that does kind of give it that sort of just visible difference between the mm-hmm. two of them. That you know, he does. He he has been he has been an ace more often than Aaron Nola has appeared to be an ace for the Phillies. And yeah, I, I think that's a healthy place to start. I, I, yeah, obviously, I'm with Liz. I try not to just cop out and put aside like, oh yeah, the numbers are the numbers, but like. I feel like this is a healthy place to start. Even if he comes back wanting more than, you know, you, you, you negotiate a bit because this guy's been your ace and he's carried you through some playoff appearances. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like that is a, a totally fine place to start. Uh, and, and, yeah, you got to recognize you got to recognize greatness. And this is one of the ways you can do that as a baseball organization. Yeah, I think we all just will will accept that with a lot of these players on this team, uh, you will at some point be paying for past performance. But there is also this World Series window that's open right now. We hope that it's going to be there for a long time, as long as Bryce Harper is here and, and some of these other guys are here and that they'll be able to supplement with younger players. But you know that it's right now. You you know that this window is open right now and you want to keep these guys here for the next two years at least, I think, for for this window that's that's going to stay open, provided that, that folks stay healthy. Um, but with that in mind, you know, the, the Phillies have entered this offseason and there haven't been a lot of... Uh, big moves. Obviously, re-signing Aaron Nola was a big move. That's really the only thing they've done so far. And there, there does seem to be a prevailing sentiment around that if you, if you're not out there pounding the table for the Phillies to 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 absolutely have to sign Yamamoto, and why weren't they in on Shohei Otani? And let's let's be doing this and let's be doing that. That they gotta make a big splash. They, they this team came up short last year, and they gotta they gotta do something. And the fact they haven't been doing that. If you're one of those people who's really upset about that. You're not alone. Uh, I know some of you may be listening to this podcast, and and one of the one of the questions we got on the mailbag had to do with this. Uh, at Gumball TJ three said, "Are the Phillies making a mistake running this core back despite them falling short again?" I think it's fair to question Dave's judgment here, considering some of the holes left to fill, like Jake Cave being the starting left fielder if Rojas indeed starts 
in AAA. I will mention this week that uh, the Diamondbacks signed Lourdes Gurriel to a three-year deal and Hunter Renfro, who is not a guy that I wanted the Phillies to sign, but he's a corner outfielder, right-handed hitting corner outfielder who signed a, a one-year free agent deal. So uh, there are some of these guys who are starting to to come off the board. Um, the Phillies are not in the market for Cody Bellinger, who's going to probably get a $200 million deal someplace. But um, Liz, is, we've talked a little bit about this back and forth. Are you, are you surprised at how many people are itching for this team to to make a big splash somewhere, even though I don't think outside of Yamamoto, I see a big splash that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Are they making a mistake running it back in 2024? You can tell that people just want them to make a move by the fact that no one is making any actual suggestions because yeah. there's nothing to do. Like, what do they want? They just want more. Like, all due respect to these people, if you are one of them, Sure, but I just don't, I don't get this. Like, the Phillies are as good as they're going to get right now. Unless they did something, unless they emptied their farm system for Juan Soto. Like, I, I everyone is really focused on Jake Cave. Let's just say that. Everyone is really, really focused on Jake Cave. Um, I believe I saw one of the questions uh you know, if he's our starting left fielder, if, you know, Rojas doesn't yep. make that, I'm like, what are we even talking about? Yeah, that's not, not going right. to be the case. No. Friends. <laughs> Though I will say, what is Jake Cave doing here? Yeah, if you want to was... criticize some Dave Dombrowski points, <laughs> yeah. I would say, why did we re-up on Jake Cave and Dylan Covey? What? Why? I don't, I don't know. That is worth criticizing, I feel. I mean, fair, but also I think everyone is just ultra focused on him because he's the most obvious guy to focus on. Like, who do they, who do they want him to be replaced with? What? What? Yeah. What? Let's let's have some ideas. Just demanding, you know, fists in the air, uh, yelling at clouds about how the Phillies haven't made a big enough acquisition that would make them at least stop thinking about J.K. for a few minutes. Well, that's the thing. You can. It's pretty easy to improve on Jake Cave. Like, it doesn't actually have to be a big name you replace him with. Just improve on Jake Cave because he's, you know, he's a lousy hitter and not a great defender. Like, there's a reason he has the role he has on the Phillies because he is not a starting player. And I know you can't really get a starting player to play a bench role in most cases, but I think it would be you, you find uh, no one's saying a guy because it's not really a guy you replace him with. It's one guy from a pool of guys, another tier of guys that I think people are saying, oh, well, let's just pick from from the second to last tier instead of the last one. I, th- I have a really low opinion of Jake Cave. I, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, he's, sorry he, was t- he was bad. <laughs> he was bad. Right? Was I'm, bad. Not, I'm not out of line here. Like, the guy no. was very bad for the Phillies. And seeing that they re-upped on him in the same breath of re-upping on Garrett Stubbs was like, okay, but they, these guys have different levels of impact on this team in a lot of ways, as far as I can tell. Maybe he's the heart and soul of this team, and we just didn't hear about that. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that is a fair criticism to make. But uh, to Liz's point... This also proves the Phillies are a first world team having first world problems. If this is mm-hmm. what we are focusing on, exactly. like this is back when in like 2011, it's like, well, they don't have a left-handed reliever who can throw this kind of pitch to get them out because we just had enough solutions and the team was good enough that you had to worry about other things. I, I would think I was just telling Liz in our last episode, I saw a Braves fan complaining about how they were not making a splash in free agency and complaining about you know quote unquote what they have at home when they have a 104 win team that's locked into playing Atlanta forever at home, which is like, what are you complaining? playing about so yeah I, I think what people want is to is to be entertained and and when you ask by what you know jokingly everyone was like ha Otani obviously that wasn't going to happen I think in a more realistic way I was like okay not Otani but like Soto we could trade for Soto we could you know Dave Dombrowski makes trades he blows up farm systems and gets guys like maybe that could actually be real and look there's two or three mystery teams that are attached to every conversation about him that could be us we're like in there and then that just got people convinced that the Phillies are in on this and it's going to be a big sexy move and of course it didn't happen and now we've moved on to Yamamoto where it's like well Bryce Harper FaceTimed with him over the weekend and that's like additional and maybe that went a little better than the Dodgers thing and you know that people have talked themselves into the idea that because it's possible it should be what happens but I also think people are getting confused that when you say the Phillies don't have to make a big splash 
what you're saying is the Phillies are done and we're set and the team is good and yeah. they're still missing pieces. So you're obviously right. not saying that. I saw someone respond to you, John, that was like, okay, so let's say they make the postseason. They still don't have a closer or a fourth starter or a bench. But like, I'm not saying make the playoffs with 23 out of 26 roster spots, <laughs> Phil. Like, why would you do that? That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you don't have to make the biggest splash to fill the needs the Phillies have. And I think that's okay. Okay, as much as I want to be entertained and as exciting as it would have been to acquire a guy like Juan Soto, that would have been, you know, we would have found a way to celebrate getting one of the best young players in, in baseball on the Phillies. But they didn't have to do that. Not every offseason has to have a Trey Turner signing. Some offseasons can focus more on retaining talent like Nola and Wheeler. And mm-hmm. what we talked about in our last episode, expanding scouting efforts into new international pools so that you can start talking about how do we make this team better in 10 years. So, I think that was kind of that wound up being the focus of this offseason. I don't know if that was planned necessarily. I don't know if people saw that coming necessarily, but you're going to see this every offseason. People will always want to be entertained and be the team at the center of getting a big new name. Yeah, and I think everybody needs to understand, although Jake Cave made the last out in the NLCS, it was really his only at bat in the playoffs. Like he's not going to be he if you bringing Jake Cave back just means you have an organizational depth outfielder. Like, he can go to AAA, he can play there for half the season, you can call him up if you've got an injury when Christian Pache inevitably hurts himself, you know, stepping on a rake or something like that. Like, there's there's going to be, you need guys like Jake Cave on in your organization simply to kind of be an up-and-down guy. Now, he played more than he should have last year, but there are lots of corner outfield options out there. I mean, there is just there, there's no superstar though. There, there's no guy that you're going to plug into left field and you're going to say, "Here's our everyday potential all-star left fielder." I mean, you're going to have. I think Pache is going to be in the mix. I, they want to leave room for for Rojas to impress in spring training and maybe spend a month in the minors if he tears the cover off the ball in the minors and looks like he's improved at the plate. They bring him up and and now you've got an outfielder. It's not like they're going to sign a right-handed corner outfielder. I don't know if it's Tommy Pham. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Adam Duvall. I don't know well, if it's some like I, I, that, but you know they're going to get something. They're going to get someone. I would say honestly, even though, first of all, if you're if you're sickened of the kind of like fluff and 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 uh, entertainment of like the national writer coverage of like oh Phillies Bryce Harper talked to Yamamoto, then just go with Matt Gelb, who is like they're not they're not getting Yamamoto. So like he's been cutting through the crap a little bit yeah. uh, this off season, and his mailbag, someone was like, what about Tommy Pham? And he, he for, for even that, he was like, yeah, I don't I don't see it. So like he's probably going to get like a three year deal. Fans right. probably going to get a three year deal. So this this is a team that wants to get a guy on a one-year deal yeah that that level of guy is even seems to be beyond what the Phillies want to do so like if that's if you're trying to set your expectations I think you can set it even even below Tommy Pham right and that's okay because I think the Phillies want to make the Phillies want to have at least one outfield spot that has a little bit of flexibility because they do like Johan Rojas and they like Brandon Marsh in left field he's an he's a, a an elite defender in left and if Rojas can figure it out with the bat you've got an everyday starter in center field. Like, you've got your outfield set there. So, I mean, they're trying to also keep, work some of these young guys in because you don't want to lock in veterans at, all, at every position for the next three years. There's nowhere for the young guys to play. So, Dombrowski's trying to play a little long game as well as make sure the team is set up for a World Series run in, in 2024. So, it's a juggling act. You can't just go sign and sign guys for, for three-year deals and plug them all in at different places. It's it's they, They've got to work some things around. It doesn't mean they're just content to run back a team that didn't make it to the World Series. They they could have gone to the World Series. They should have gone to the World Series. I think they, they were probably the best team in the National League by the time that, that portion of the season had rolled around. It's it's just re, it's ridiculous. They didn't get to the World Series and, and maybe even win the whole thing. But it, it's happened. That's that's the that's baseball in, in October. So I don't um, think you can make a move with the mindset. Well, what if we get to the NLCS and everyone forgets how to hit? I don't know what the free right. agent. Move There's no is solution for that. Fix that. Like well, another yeah. guy maybe puts everybody in more alignment. I don't know. The free but, agent like, lost be- Go ahead, I was going to say, the free agent move for that is to sign Shohei Otani and, right. and trade for Tyler Glasnow because that's what the Braves are now doing. The Dodgers. And, the and Dodgers, the Do- sorry. And the, and the Dodgers had Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and they both went ice cold in the divisional series. They're, the reason they lost the NLDS was, yes, the pitching, but also they're, they're two great hitters. MVP candidates stopped hitting. So what's the solution? Move out Mookie Betts and bring in someone better? Like there's just there, there's that's not that's not in the realm of possibility. Like you there's no magic formula for winning in October. 
Oh, and I don't. I do want to say as to that question about uh, the core um, running the back. I did kind of ask that person to specify a little more what they mean and what they were saying instead of like, do they blow up the core or not? Which to me, I was like, well, that can't be what you mean because that just means starting over, and they're not going to just start over at this point just because they had a frustrating NLCS. But what they said they meant was that why not add another member to the core as in another big name, which is what we're talking about. And that is, well, I think we've already addressed like that. That would be a change to the core that obviously could be positive. But like you just said, John, you don't, you don't necessarily want to be locking yourself into long-term deals with the somewhat paltry free agent class out there after Otani. And you don't, you don't necessarily feel like you have to trade for Juan Soto, I guess. But end of the day, this is a team that got as far as it did in the state that it's in. And, you know, that may not be good news to you to hear that the team that has disappointed you in October twice is now going to come back. But I think we all look at this from the point of like, you make the postseason and you get on the carousel. Everybody's reaching for that. What was it? A ring? This is a very yeah. dated reference. A ring in the middle. This is beyond even my age. I don't know why I'm making this <laughs> reference, but, but <laughs> like everyone's grasping for it. And you know, a lot of teams don't get it. The Phillies had a chance. It was within their grasp and they just didn't get it. And they believe they can just bring the same team back. And you know, what, why, what's wrong with that strategy? Just because it didn't work for the Mets. I, I keep thinking back to that. Bryce Harper at bat in the seventh inning in game seven when he got that he got that two one fastball. And the difference between really the difference between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three is in twenty twenty two, he hit that same pitch out of the ballpark for Bedlam at the bank. And in twenty twenty three, he just got under it. Like you the the that's the difference but between those two seasons was that one pitch to the same guy who missed it by like a quarter of an inch. And there's just, you know, you can you want to make the best roster that you can. And that's what Dombrowski is trying to do. But, yeah, I, I think people think that there's some kind of magical grouping of players that, yeah, maybe gives them a maybe gives them a chance to win more games in the regular season and you win the division. But, you know, and challenge that, the Braves. But as we've seen, you get into October, it's it's just a, it's a totally different game. So that quarter but, of an inch can be the difference between your team spending seven hundred million dollars on a guy or not. Right. Or, you know, two million for the first eight years or whatever. You know? Sure. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The six hundred eighty million dollars. Uh, yeah. The, the Ten years after that. All right. Let's knock out a couple of these other uh, mailbag questions here. Um Let's see. We've kind of dipped into this a little bit, but at Mr. Ed 315 asked, how are you liking the current Phillies 40-man roster? What areas might need to work uh, before spring training starts? One of the things we've talked about is they they need to get somebody uh, to replace Craig Kimbrell in, in the bullpen. Uh, that kind of doubles up on a question that at Charles W. Wolf asked, is there one relief pitcher to replace Kimbrell on your Christmas list? Um, Merry Christmas, Charles. He wished us a, a, a Merry Christmas. I'm going to group these two questions together because uh, I think this is an area that is one thing that the team needs to add. I think they need to get another kind of high-powered right-handed relief pitcher. Um, there are some free agents out there. The guy that I would love to see the Phillies go out and get, and this is where I do think they could make an impact here, but I don't know what it would cost in terms of prospects. And keep in mind, the Phillies will probably add someone at the trade deadline during the course of the season. Sometimes these decisions are a little bit easier once you see who's been injured, where you're falling short. You'll have a better idea of what Johan Rojas can give you, and then maybe you're getting a corner outfielder at the trade deadline. Maybe someone who's available then that's more impactful than what you have available right now. But if you make a signing now, you lock yourself into something and you don't have the flexibility in the middle of the season. Just thinking about that. Emmanuel Clace is the uh, Cleveland Guardians closer who was rumored to be uh, kind of out there in the trade market. Hit three phenomenal seasons in a row as the Guardians closer. That's the guy that I would go after. He, he's a, he's a, a hard-throwing right-hander. He's got tons of closing experience. Uh, he, he's not a big bases-on-balls guy. Uh, if the Guardians did make him available, I, if I'm Dombrowski, I'm on the phone, and I'm seeing what it would take to get him. Uh, Justin, Liz, anybody on your, on your, on your list that you think would work as a relief pitcher in place of Kimbrell, somebody they should go after to fortify the bullpen? Real quick, uh, you can edit this out. I believe, according to baseball reference, it's pronounced Class A. Class A, I'm not editing it out. I'll just say it right from now on. That's <laughs> <Okay>. fine. <laughs> Class uh, but, A, I apologize, Emmanuel. That's uh, uh, That was the name on my list. Once once we've, we saw him linked to the Phillies a couple of weeks, maybe months ago, Liz and I kind of looked, took a look at him, having not been very familiar, and he's got 
the numbers you want to see and mm-hmm. yeah. the the room to grow, honestly, that uh, you, you want to see from a guy in that position who who can come in late in the games. Cutter first, slider guy uh, with a, he apparently he throws a four seam fastball by accident sometimes when he's trying to throw one of his other pitches. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, he is a he's an effective late inning reliever who has put up the kind of numbers you want to see. Uh, as like you said, John, his walk numbers have been in the top ten percent of baseball. So you know you're not allowing a bunch of extra base runners, uh, and and he's like uh, 25 years old. So that is uh, boy, that that has some appeal. Don't know what you got to give up for him, but these these are the kind of deals that Dombrowski seems to excel at. Uh, he always finds guys in the Phillies system that other teams seem to want to give up their players for, even in situations where we're like, well, who can the Phillies really deal for this? He just he finds somebody and makes it happen. So this is a guy I really wouldn't mind seeing them uh, add to their stable of late inning options, uh, especially to replace Kimbrell, who really struggled with consistency by the end. Liz, anybody else or are you are you on the Class A train as well? Um, definitely on the Class A train, but looking around, um, I was sort of, I was looking around and saw, uh, what is his name? Robert Stevenson. Um, oh, yes. From the yes. Rays. He's a free agent, no deal yet. He also might, uh, I think he's older. Where is his stat page here? He's 30. He might take a one-year deal. Um, and mm-hmm. he does not, he doesn't have a hard hard throwing arm but his mm-hmm. uh fastball did average a career high 97 last year and that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good that's that's stuff that'll get you um that'll get you a look at closer if need be and i think that's sure. what the the phillies are looking for someone who could slot in and out without a lot of fuss yeah yeah i think the, the other look the other, go ahead justin well, I was just gonna say that's a, that is an adequate option. Are we are we pretty much off Josh Hader at this point? He's not seeing his name thrown in like the Phillies were kind of linked to him early on, but he seems more like a Dodgers type. Yeah, I'm not interested at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I keep seeing the Phillies linked to him. I just don't. I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going there. I think it, it's more like national writers saying the, the, it makes sense for the Phillies to sign Josh Hader, but I haven't really seen anything that's like the Phillies are in talks yeah. with Josh Hader. Exactly. The Phillies are, are exchanging numbers I think, with him. I think Hader's agents are telling them, hey, but, you know, we get the Phillies could be an option because, you know, yeah. if we can get the Phillies name mentioned, you know, I might get some of the other teams that really want them up off the couch, you know. So I have I have seen some uh, I, I this isn't with this isn't without validity, but I have some people who I think are talking with their hearts on their sleeves about a Hector Neris reunion Why? as well. There is some enthusiasm for that. I don't know, nostalgia, I, I guess. I don't know. He was, <laughs> I, I, listen, I have listed him among, yeah. because he had, was outstanding these last two years in Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and was, honestly, he wasn't even that bad as a Phillies no, reliever. We kind of, we kind of went no. in on this and was like, yeah, his worst appearances are against the teams the Phillies don't want to lose to. And since right. it always happens in the ninth inning when he is trying to close the game, it always feels so much worse. But it was just like there were three teams, the Dodgers, Braves, and Giants, I think, that he had terrible numbers against with the Phillies. But other than that, he was like a very, very effective reliever. So like even then, it felt like he, you know, he allowed tons of base runners. But more and more as the years have gone by, I feel like we say that about like a lot of late inning relievers yeah. for the Phillies. So well, yeah. Craig Kimbrell was like that crazy. last year. When I watched yeah. Craig Kimbrell last year, I thought like, oh man, I'm, I'm watching Hector Neris again. Like that, <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Um, but I remember in the, in the world series, he shut the Phillies down uh, in, in games in game six of the world series and a couple other games as well. Like he was outstanding. The other guy you here mentioned is Jordan Hicks. He's 27. Um, he's a really hard thrower as well, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Gregory Soto. He's like a right-handed Gregory Soto, throws really hard, can get strikeouts, but also gives up a bunch of walks. And so you, you'd kind of be kind of rolling the dice and, and you know praying that you get the good Jordan Hicks outing as opposed to the, the not good Jordan Hicks outing. But I think those are the main guys that if you're looking for upgrades in the bullpen, you're looking at a right, looking for a right-handed reliever. I think those are the names, and I agree with you guys. I don't think Josh Hader is uh, is anywhere on the menu, and I do think the Phillies will beef up their bench a little bit. Um, you know, I think they'll probably keep Edmundo Sosa as their as their main backup infielder, and that's fine. I think he'll have a better season in 2024 than he had in 2023, but. Um, that's generally speaking, I think, what the team is is looking at right now. Uh, a couple other things uh, to to wrap things up. Uh, should the fi- at foot Dave at photo Dave? Sorry, not at foot Dave. I 
transpose some letters there. That's a, that's a different account. <laughs> it's a different account entirely. At Photo Dave asks, should the Phillies bring back Reese on a one or two year bench deal? Something doesn't feel right with the way things ended with him. That was what Photo Dave had to say. Some news this morning, John Morosi was uh, mentioning on MLB Network that Reese Hoskins is still talking to the Cubs, but now that the Seattle Mariners have gotten involved in potentially uh, going after Reese Hoskins. And not sure if we're talking about a one-year deal or a two-year deal. I'll, I'll, the thing about Reese Hoskins is this. The Phillies are not bringing back Reese Hoskins. There's no place for him to play. He's not. They need an outfielder. They have Schwarber at DH. He's staying at DH. And if it's not Schwarber at DH, it would be Harper at DH. They're, they're just... He's Hoskins is not coming back. It, it's 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 foolishness to 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 linger on Reese Hoskins at this point. And as much as I liked Reese Hoskins emotionally and you know what he gave the team during the course of his time here, he he's not he's not as good as as people want him to be oh, moving boy. forward. I'm sorry, he's <laughs> he's a very he's a solid major league slugger, but do we forget the the ups and downs of the roller coaster of Reese Hoskins offensively and and the defensive shortcomings that he had at first base? Bryce Harper is like 10 times the defensive first baseman that Reese Hoskins was. I I love Reese. If there was a DH spot for him on this team, I'd say re-sign him in a second, but there's no chance the Phillies are bringing Reese Hoskins back unless Kyle Schwarber gets traded somewhere. Like, it's just, am I crazy, Liz? Like, why Why are we continuing to talk about Reese Hoskins? Uh, because he was the emotional core, the heart of this team for a long time. He was here forever uh, and was with the Phillies in bad times and good. And so it's disappointing to see him not here. That is why. That is uh no, you're I know that's why I know it's just it's not about him being talented. It's not about anything like that. It's it's just about emotions, and I get yeah. that because he he's my favorite player, and he will continue to be. It will be disappointing not to see him uh with the Phillies, though we got a taste of that last year, and it sucked. But that's that's now what life is going forward. You know, I I love him, and I would love for him to come back, but he is perfect for. Uh, the Mariners or the Cubs, which are, I think the the two teams that are looking at him right now, and you know, that's yeah. fine. The point is for him to continue his baseball career to until the point that he wants to stop it. Like that, that's what we should all want for him: for him to continue his baseball career somewhere, because that's what he wants. He wants to continue mm -hmm. to play until he chooses not to play. And I think being the type of guy he is, he could get that done. He could do that, you know? I also don't see him having the mm -hmm. longest playing career because he seems like a well-adjusted person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Justin, I mean, I know I'm going overboard. I know I'm overreacting to this. I just, we, we, we kind of want, you know, we can't have everything in life. I mean, you know? I, I, get, I get being logistically against the idea, but you didn't have to dox him like that and uh, <laughs> tell, tell everyone to go to his house and throw garbage. I mean, come on. We're not Braves fans, but at the end of the day, uh, this was this question's not being asked logistically. The question's being asked sentimentally. Yeah. And if you were running the Phillies sentimentally, the answer is absolutely the Phillies should bring back Reese Hoskins on a one or two year bench deal. That is the right ending to this. That is the happy ending to this. And when this person says something doesn't feel right the way things ended with him, it's because it wasn't right. Uh, the cruelty of baseball came to the forefront and just snipped Reese Hoskins off the Phillies roster for the entirety of his final season that was supposed to be something totally else and while you're right John the inconsistency was frustrating and I think I even posited the question to Liz earlier in the offseason before this decision was was kind of made like do you think Reese Hoskins legacy in Philadelphia is better off since he didn't have another up and down season in his final year and everyone got to sit and just say boy it's a real shame he's not here and Jake Cave is Sorry about, again, another stray at Jake Cave, but it's also worth asking. Uh, you know, the team would have been better, and perhaps the difference was in that unfortunate circumstance. That was no one's fault. It just was a cruel aspect of baseball, one of those X factors that sneaks in and you really can't plan for. So, yeah, the ending of Reese Hoskins' story in Philadelphia doesn't make sense. If you were telling it as a story, you would be like, this ending is this really ending bad. sucks. You at least have to get them <laughs> yeah. to the World Series and have him come back and, like, hit a home run in the World Series and then do a curtain call, and then that's his last moment for the Phillies instead of throwing out a 
ceremonial first pitch in the NLDS and having people say, okay, that's his, that's his swan song for the Phillies. You know, yeah, that's, that's cruel. Even, even doing a, a ceremonial first pitch in the world series would have been, would have been better. It just, I think people feel a little robbed, you know, yeah. it is not satisfying narratively the way Reese Hoskins ended things in, in Philadelphia. And the hope was for a long time. And John, you never really believed this, but that they would bring him back on a one year show me deal that it, it would, it would make sense that like, you know, they can work him in to the offense again. Bryce Harper, you know, doesn't have to play first base, but Things changed, and we slowly watched Bryce Harper steal Reese Hoskins' job yep. <laughs> over yeah. the course of yeah. the season. And now the, the the whole extra guy thing, where you're you're juggling guys and trying to figure out who's an outfielder, who's a DH, who's a first baseman, kind of easier to solve now. Bryce Harper's the first baseman, Kyle Schwarber's the DH, and that's just how things went. And logistically, that we all agreed that that made the most sense. So this person. Their, their point isn't without merit. Sentimentally, it, it, it should yeah. definitely have ended a different way. But unfortunately, it, it didn't. And at this point, this question was for, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. And I, I would like to I would like to apologize. John's uh, heart to, grew three times Ford. that day. As <laughs> yes, he... that's right. <laughs> I just want to apologize to Foot Dave um, <laughs> and say... Yes, in a perfect world where positions don't matter, I would love to have Reese Hoskins back in a Phillies uniform for sure. All right, um, let's see. Uh, let's make this our last one here of the podcast. At Snowball411, Tom Snow is a good friend of the podcast, asked us, um, what was the best year of the big three? Rollins, Utley, Howard. He said, personally, he's torn between 07 and 06. Um, I, I kind of surprised it wouldn't be 08, but, you know, that was the year they won the World Series and all that stuff. But, um, you know, if you're looking at these three guys, and obviously we're talking about this because two of these three guys are on the Hall of Fame ballot right now. And, you know, this is a good opportunity to kind of look back at the career these guys have had. And um, I, I think, you know, it, they're they're all so, so nostalgic. If you're talking about just pure offensive firepower, you could probably throw 06 in, into the mix there because... Um, that was the year Ryan Howard won the MVP, I believe, right? That was the year. Was yeah, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. five was rookie of the year for right. him. And then oh, six, oh, six was MVP. And Rollins, Rollins was MVP was, in oh, seven. And right. he was runner up rookie of the year. Cause that's how I was approaching this question as well. Yeah. Like if you're discounting oh, eight, then you're, you're thinking, okay, how did we feel in the moment about this team? And I was like, yeah, at that point, Rollins and Howard were kind of stacking up those honors. Howard won the home run derby. Uh, the year after Bobby Abreu did too. So like they were kind of, this was the beginning of them. They were like this awesome young offensive powerhouse. And then over this golden era, they transitioned into this pitching first team with a, with a, a less dynamic, but still palpable offense. But at the same time, if like Howard's doing what he's doing at this era, Rollins is doing what he's doing in this era. It almost doesn't even matter what Utley was doing because that's, you know, it was probably good. And these two guys were, were certainly gaining accolades for their, uh, for their offensive prowess. But then you look at the numbers and Chase Utley hit 332 in 2007. I looked that up just now <laughs> and was like, holy crap. How did I not remember 07? He hit over 300 and yet he still did not, he still did not win the MVP. It kills me. Not that, you know, Rollins didn't deserve it, but like, what are we doing? Right. Yeah, it, it, the fact that he didn't win an MVP, like Utley one of those years, is, is just, it's wild, like, that he didn't. I mean, because it wasn't that long ago, and, and war was around. I mean, it was still kind of, maybe it was, you know, mocked at, or by the by the baseball writers at the time, still not taken as a serious statistic. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> I could say. Yeah, but... In the same vein that it's crazy, Rollins didn't make another All-Star team. Like, his last All-Star team was before. For his MVP year, I don't think his MVP year he did not. Make he did not the make the All Star team in 07. Which, in the same vein as that, I mean, how many categories do you think Chase Utley led the league? I know we're all looking at his baseball reference page right now, but look away. How many? How many? <laughs> how many times do you think he led the league in an offensive category? I'll say there were probably. I'm not looking right now. I'll say there were probably at least 15 times he led the National League in some kind of offensive category. According to Baseball Reference, four times, and three of those four times were getting hit by pitches. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he led the league in run scoring in, in 2006 and then nothing else after that. Weird. <laughs> what a career, What a weird career that guy had. Yeah. I'll, t I'll tell you what, man. Because, yeah, Rollins and, and Howard certainly had those huge splash seasons that um, that, you, that you can look at there. So if I'm, if I'm saying which one of the three, 
that Howard 06 season was really something else. Like the, the, the Rollins 07 season feels more electric because of the comeback and the fact that they won the division on the final day and he hit that triple late in the game to kind of give him the, the, the 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020 stat line or whatever it was that he had that year. Um, which I actually just thought you were glitching out. Like, I no, yeah, no, (laughs) making a point there. Wow. No, that wasn't, that wasn't the TriCast software. That was, that was just me making a point. Um, I'm going to go with Howard though. We've never seen a power display like that in, in Philadelphia before. And it was really because they, they moved out Jim Tomey to put him in there. And then you were like, that was like the confirmation too. Like, Oh, thank goodness we made the right decision. You know what I mean? Like he just, it was unbelievable what he did in, in, in 2006. That's probably my favorite individual season of any of the seasons those guys had. And if that's the question we're being asked, that's, that's my choice. Yeah, I mean, you can break down any of those golden era years into being your favorite, and you would pro- you would probably be right. I mean, yeah. the, the, even just like the off season going into 2011, after to, the disappointment of 2010. I mean, it was they they did a good job of making you feel excited about a team that had just disappointed you so much. So yeah, but like yeah, I think based on this question, you dwell more on those early years because. You know, you didn't know what was going to happen, and you didn't know if like getting rid of Tommy and sliding Howard in there, like you hoped that was going to work. But again, that was a that was the kind of risk we were talking about in uh, in regards to Wheeler and Yamamoto. Like, what do you what do you want to bet on? A guy who's got the career numbers to make you feel good about his future, or the guy who's put up great numbers uh, before even getting into the league, and and you want to see what else he can grow into. And that they made that move, and it's one of the most pivotal moves in franchise history. And Howard came and. You know, the shelf life of a slugger is short, but boy, the years where he was at, at his prime, at his best, he really, he he was at, that was the best. Like he was, yeah. he, he was as advertised. That day where he, what was it, the four home run game, the Howard's homers game, uh, where he hit four home runs, I think. Three. Uh, three. three. Was it just yeah. three? Ah, to get like over 50, I think, for the year. I don't know. Yep. I'm remembering the 50, 51, 52. Right. Yeah. That was, again, like the broadcast that day was like, why are they still giving him stuff to hit? I can't believe they threw that in the zone. That was crazy. That's the kind of hitter that Howard was at that point. And yeah, it's tough not to feel warm and fuzzy about that. Well, um, let's finish up the podcast here uh, with, th- first of all, thank you for everyone who who sent some questions in. Uh, we weren't able to get to all of them, uh, but uh, they were all definitely very good questions. And I'll respond to some on the Twitter machine, uh, the ones we weren't able to get to here on the podcast. Uh, but let's get to our final thoughts for this episode, number 757. Uh, Liz, final thoughts from you as we wrap things up. Uh, I have been uh, monitoring Hall of Fame stuff very closely lately in anticipation of doing an update uh, for Yahoo Sports at some point. Uh, fortunately, the public ballots um, that are monitored by Ryan Thibodeau and his excellent team on the ballot tracker, ballots are coming in slowly this year, uh, though I think it's probably going to pick up this week. But I could say about Chase Utley, first year on the ballot, Chase Utley, he currently has, uh, out of see 19 ballots, he has 12 votes. <laughs> Yeah, Which is pretty actually good. pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get in his first time, but it's he's he's tracking very well. Yes, he is tracking very well. He'll certainly stay on uh, this next year uh, and probably for the future. Uh, he probably won't get in next year either. Uh, mm-hmm. CC Sabathia and Ichiro Suzuki are hopping on the ballot for the first time, and uh, not very many are going to uh, come off. Uh, at least of the legitimate candidates, but he he will get in. Yeah, yeah, I think it's certainly trending towards that way too. Um, it's kind of a um, it's it's real. I'm very pleased to see that he's getting the support that he is right now. And you've got ten years as long as you stay over what what number is it five percent or something like yep. that. Yeah, so he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be fine, and he'll probably stick around. It might be year five, four, five, six, something like that. But I, I don't even think it'll take him the full ten uh, to to get in. No, so. and a little update on Jimmy Rollins. I think he will also pass the. Um, he'll also pass five percent again this year. It will be his, this is his third year on the ballot. I don't think he's destined for enshrinement, but it's a mark of pride at the very least to stay on the ballot for a long time. And yeah, absolutely. And it looks like he's at least trending that way. He currently, what is he currently has eleven point eight percent of the uh, of the ninth public ballots. of the pu- yeah. of the public uh, revealed ballots. So they're all of nineteen. All right. <laughs> Fingers crossed, J Roll can stay on there for for another year or so. Absolutely. All right, 
Justin, final thoughts. Uh, we didn't get to this, but I'll just use it as my final thought. Uh, it's the kind of thing that's designed to get people up in arms. And I know, John, you were upset about it. So I'll join you in being outraged about the MLB Network's Prime 9. For yeah, that's going to be my ah. final thought, too. So good. Yeah. yeah. I just I am also absolutely outraged um, that no Steve Carlton was was on this list that went uh, with. You know, obviously, there's there's nobody on here that I think doesn't deserve to be on the list. But since this is a Phillies show. We can complain that Steve Carlton is not on the list because he put up just as good, if not better numbers than a couple of guys on this list and certainly is worthy of being on there. So, yeah, I would say that is also malpractice from <laughs> the, the, the network dedicated to Major League Baseball. Boy, I, 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 we can send some strong emails after this if you want, John. We can demand to talk to their manager. I, I will. I have a. I'll talk to their to their PR person. They already hate me because I'm I'm critical of of the network, which I just think is boring so much of the time. But yeah, I mean, they've Randy Johnson, Tom Seaver, Warren Spahn, Greg Maddox four, Roger Clemens five, Pedro Martinez six, Sandy Koufax seven, Nolan Ryan eight, and Clayton Kershaw number nine. Those are all great pitchers. Uh, but Steve Carlton um, at one point was the all time strikeout leader, battling with Nolan Ryan in the mid. 80s he won he was the first pitcher ever to win four Cy Young awards so he won four Cy Young awards had over 4,000 career strikeouts and 300 wins also won a World Series with the Phillies in, in 1980 I, I'm, I'm sorry he had a better career than Clayton Kershaw did I uh, just yeah just, I'll say it he just did I'm sorry he did um and I Sandy Koufax is a legend he's got a lot of postseason numbers um, I'm probably put you know, I'm and Bob Gibson's not on this list either. I'm putting Bob Gibson probably ahead of Nolan Ryan on this list. Um, so what a stupid, stupid list. What a stupid list. It is. It is a very stupid list. They did a terrible job with that. That was going to be my final thought as well. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, all right, everybody. Look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. Look, even when there's no real Phillies news going on, we can still fill an hour, folks. Talking Phil's baseball. So that's why you come to us, uh, get your mind off of all the madness going on with the Eagles and uh, and just kind of keep you, keep your feet down to the ground in terms of what's going on in the baseball world. And we'll, we'll be updating anytime stuff happens with the Phillies. We'll let you know about it here on the podcast. It does look like I'm going to actually have Jay Jaffe on the program uh, in the middle of the week this week to yeah. talk more Hall of Fame stuff. So, uh, so that'll be a fun podcast that you're going to want to listen to as well. Fingers crossed we're able to make that work out. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, you can check out everything we got going on over with our pals at Billy Penn. Uh, our landing page there is billypenn.com slash hit and season. So that's where you can see our blog posts that go along along with these articles. And of course, read everything Liz has going on at Yahoo Sports. Read all of Justin's stuff at Baseball Prospectus and my articles at The Good Fight as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.